Well, good morning, everybody. What a joy it is to be alive today. What a joy it is to be healthy today. And I just want to, right from the start, say to you today, the very fact that you are alive today means that God still has a purpose for your life. I want to repeat that. The very fact that you are alive today means that God has a purpose for, you, for your life today and going forward. So bless the Lord for his mercy and his goodness over you. Let us just pray Lord's blessing over this sermon. Our Father, we thank you that we may be gathered together. Thank you that we might, may be gathered, Lord, in the spirit all over the world. We thank you that you are with us. We thank you, Lord, for the awesome privilege of speaking and proclaiming your message. Lord, we pray the truth of your word and that hearts would be open to receive your word. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. The message I want to bring to you today, if I can give it a title, will be Salted with Fire. And I'm going to give you quite a number of aspects today. I'm going to give you quite a number of aspects today, and I ask you to be wide awake, for like Pastor John prayed just now, now we all believe that we are living in a very significant time, and we believe that the great last harvest is right here, and that God is preparing us for a time like this, and the theme of this year is the Holy Spirit. Next Sunday, we celebrate Pentecost. I want just to share a few ideas with you, and it's all woven together that in the end you might understand some more of the Holy Spirit and what the Lord wants to do in your life. Now, my reading today is out of Mark 9, verse 50, and it says, For everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good, but if the salt has lost its saltiness, how will you make it salty again? Now, we are really living in a challenging time, and who of us know what the outcome will be? It is as clear as mud. The challenge is to know how to function in a time like this. I want to read to you out of Hebrews 12, verse 1, that says, we need to strip off every unnecessary weight and sin that cleverly entangles us so that we can run the appointed race of the course that is set before us with active persistence and endurance. And let me remind you today that our race is definitely not a 100-meter sprint. It's much, much more a long-distance race with a whole bunch of obstacles in that race. But I've got good news for you. Our Father in heaven was not caught of God in any way by what happened in the world. He has equipped us to face life and to live from a different perspective, to live in victory. This year, we celebrate especially the person of the Holy Spirit. And I want to encourage you to just look at the Holy Spirit and ask the Lord to open your heart, to look at Him in a new and a fresh way. Open your heart to Him. John 16 verse 7, Jesus speaks to His disciples and He says, I'm going away, 
but it will be profitable for you if I go away, for I will send my Holy Spirit, and He will come to you to remain with you. So there's a few perspectives that I want to share with you, and I ask you to be wide awake this morning. If you're still lying in your bed, wondering what's happening around you, now is a good time to sit up straight and be wide awake, for I really want to share a few very significant aspects to you. I'm going to show you the prophetic timeline from the Mount Sinai when the uh, Israelites received the law from the Lord to the day of Pentecost, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and we will also show you the shadow of the Galilean wedding and what it all means for you and me today. Now in Exodus 20, verse 18 and 19, and I encourage you to go and read the whole chapter and even a bit more, we read about the whole event where the, the law was given to Moses. And that was quite something. It says that the people perceived the thunderings and the lightnings and the noise of the trumpet, the smoking mountain like a furnace, and they trembled with fear and stood afar off, telling Moses, Moses, you speak to the Lord. We don't want to speak to the Lord. You speak to him and you come and tell us what he said. The Bible says they were terrified. They were truly trembling with fear and terror because of what they perceived and what they seen there. Now, in most translations, it's said that they saw, uh, they heard the thunderings of the Lord. If you go to the original Hebrew, it actually says they saw the thunderings of the Lord. Now imagine that. And initially they thought, no, this is not right. But let me tell you, this is what the word says. They saw the thunderings of the Lord. In Psalm 92 verse 7, it refers to this. And it says, the voice of the Lord splits and flashes forth forked lightning. And Psalm 29 verse 7 refers to this. And they understood that these people saw the fiery words coming from the mouth of God as it struck the tables. Some translation says the voice of the Lord hewed out flames of fire. Wow, imagine that. Imagine seeing flames of fire coming from the word of God from the mouth of God, containing the words, and it hits the stones, and it writes the voice, the, the, the law of God for them. Imagine how frightened they must have been. Matthew 4 verse 4 says, you will live by every proceeding word out of the mouth of God. Child of God, whoever you are listening today, my prayer for you today is, will you start living by every word from the voice of God. Will you start seeing the thundering, the flames? Will you start encountering the fire of God? Whenever he speaks to you through his spirit, through his word, will you encounter the mighty roar of God into your heart, changing you, preparing you? Now, next Sunday, we celebrate Pentecost. And on that day, the Holy Spirit was poured out Acts 2, we read, they were together when suddenly a sound from heaven like a rushing 
and a violent blast came and it filled the whole house where they were sitting and there appeared to them tongues resembling fire which settled on each one of them and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues. Can you see what happened here was the same thing that happened at Mount Sinai. But this time, it was the outpouring of the Spirit. On Mount Sinai, it was the words of God, the flaming words of God thundering and hewed out the rock and bringing the law of God. At this time, they heard the voice again, the thundering again, the mighty wind again. But this time they saw the fire of God. And this time something different happened. For the Spirit was poured out in each and every one's heart. Notice the similarities. There was noise. There was thunderings. There was wind blowing. There was fire. Let me tell you, when the Holy Spirit came, everybody knew that the Holy Spirit came. The people who received it and the bystanders knew the Holy Spirit came. I want to tell you today, you don't need to worry whether you have the Holy Spirit or not. If you have the Holy Spirit, you will know it for sure. And the other people will all say, know it. What happened on the day of Pentecost? The Jews immediately knew what was happening. The prophecies were fulfilled right before their eyes. Prophecies which Jeremiah and Ezekiel and a whole bunch of others prophesied 1,300 and more years ago were fulfilled in their midst. The prophecy about the new law, the new law of the Spirit which will be given and it will change people's hearts and it will actually burn into their hearts the law of God, the law of the Spirit. The word of the Spirit. Wow. Can you, can you try to understand what happens when the Holy Spirit fills you? It's so much more than we think it is. They recognize the fire of God. They recognize the fiery voice of God speaking His word into people's hearts. But this time, they were not fearful. They were drawn towards Him in astonishment. The bystanders heard them speaking about the mighty works of God. Interesting, if you read in the Bible, it says that the people of the whole city heard the noise and they ran towards them to see what was happening. And they actually mocked and they said, oh, don't worry about them. They are actually only drunk with wine. You know what it says there in the Greek? When they mocked them, they said they were filled with new wine. Actually, they were so correct. They were filled with new wine. They just didn't realize what happened. They heard the people speaking about the mighty works of God. Now, in Matthew 3, John the Baptist speaks of Jesus that will come. And he will baptize us with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And with fire, the last few weeks, I've prayed to the Lord and I asked, Lord, what does it mean to be baptized with fire? And the Lord is breaking it open to us. You will be salted with fire. The fire of the Spirit will salt you, will cause you to be like salt so that you will be seasoning in a wicked and lost world and enhancing the flavor of Jesus. So what does it mean to us 
today. Some background. About two-thirds of Jesus' ministry happened in Galilee. Therefore, we need to understand their culture. Take note that the first miracle he performed was at a wedding in Galilee. Now, let's look at the process preceding the actual wedding ceremony in Galilee. Just listen to this. It's so beautiful. Now, the groom-to-be would approach the bride-to-be in public, usually at the city's gate, because that's where the elders sat and they wanted witnesses. His father will accompany him and then proceed to read the written conditions of the marriage contract to the girl while witnesses are all joining in. The groom-to-be will then hand to the bride-to-be a cup of wine after he poured it in. Should she drink of it and hands it back to him to also drink of it, it means that she accepted the conditions and they are now betrothed. The cup was called the cup of joy, which was fearfully handed to the lady for she could accept or reject it. I want to draw your attention to this and think about this. When our Jesus stands before you and invite you to a living relationship with him to become his bride. He hands you the cup of wine, hands you and give you the conditions, what it means to be his child. You know what? You can push it back. You can reject it. But this lady, she accepted it. Now they are betrothed. And now it is publicly said to the girl, you are now consecrated to me by the law of Moses, and I will not drink of this cup again until I drink it with you in my Father's house. Isn't it beautiful? So when the Holy Spirit was poured out, they, the Jews, clearly understood that this was a new covenant. This was a wedding starting to take place. When they spoke in tongues, what was said? In Acts, we read, like I've mentioned now, now, they, 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 they spoke about the mighty deeds of God. They spoke about the goodness of God. I asked the Lord, what were they saying? And this is what the Lord dropped into my heart. The conditions that is read to the bride-to-be, which was held up by the Father, and he read it. This would say, what will the Father say to you today? Would you want to become my son's bride? Do you know what it will mean? It means we are family now. It means you are restored. It means you are now my child. It means that I will now take care of you. It means that I will keep you and I will protect you. It means that I will even change your heart. It means I will even give you a new heart. It means that I will come back sometime and I will fetch you to be with me forever and ever. I ask you today, how can we ever say no to such a, such a wonderful invitation? How can we ever return the cup? How can we ever say no to anything that this Father is offering us? This Father is offering us the Holy Spirit. As a part of this ceremony, gifts were given. The father of the groom gave money that would take care of all the preparations to the bride. Didn't Jesus say, 
Don't worry about what you will drink or what you will wear or what you will eat. Just keep yourself busy with my kingdom and I will look after you. The Father has paid it already. Just seek my kingdom. And now the groom-to-be will leave for his father's house and to add an extension to live there with his bride. John 14, Jesus says, in my father's house, there are many mansions and I go away to prepare a place for you. And when it's done, I will come back and I will fetch you that you might be where I am. Can you see how it's all linked together? Now, what about the bride? What happened to the bride in this situation? Now, she would start preparing herself. She would start buying material. She and the bridesmaids would run from shop to shop and they would use the money that was given to them by the bride, by, by the father, and they would prepare. They would, they would just get all the stuff that they would need for the wedding, getting their dresses ready, etc. Now, the most important thing of it all was that she had to keep herself pure for the day of the wedding. I ask you, people of God, are we keeping ourselves pure and spotless for our groom is coming? Now she must be ready because no one knew when he will come. We also don't know when Jesus will return. And you know what? As I listen to so many programs and I listen to people talking, everyone is asking and grappling around with the question, when will he return? When will he return? Is there going to be a rapture? Is there not going to be a rapture? Will it be here? Will it be there? Will it be there? What is going to happen? Do you know what? The better question to ask is, why will he return? And for whom will he return? Why will he return? To fetch his bride. For whom will he return? To those who are ready. Who will be ready? After the outpouring of the Spirit, Peter preached because the people were astonished. Here, here were people from all nations, Jews from all nations. They heard these guys speaking in their languages about the wonderful deeds of God, how great God is. They were astonished and, and they were cut to the heart, says the Bible. And they didn't know what was happening. Peter got up and he preached. And he said basically three things. He said, Repent, be baptized, and the Holy Spirit, you will receive the Holy Spirit. Repent, be baptized, and you will receive the Holy Spirit. John the Baptist preached this. Jesus preached this. Peter preached this. Paul preached this. People of God, when this lockdown happened, the very first Saturday, the Lord laid a word on my heart, and that word was, tell the people to repent. I want to tell you today, like Pastor John just now now prayed here, we need to be ready for what is coming. We need to be ready for the last harvest. We need to be ready for our uh, groom to come. We need to be so filled with the Spirit. But you know what? We need to repent. We need to get our lives in order. We need to be ready to receive him. We need to repent. What does repent mean? Repent means to turn around, to make a 180 degree turn and turn around from a sinful life or sinful habits and lay it aside, get rid of it 
and that will lead to being born again so that you can be baptized, so that you can receive the Holy Spirit. If you don't do that, you allow the enemy legal access into your life. People are in sinful relationships, busy with dubious, busy deals, etc. People, I'm telling you today out of the heart of my heart, you need to repent from this. You need to repent. You need to get your things in order. I, I hear and I enjoy so many people quoting Psalm 91, which is good and it's true. You know what? If you don't repent, only quoting Psalm 91 is not going to save you. Because, because Psalm 50 says, who are you to use my words on your lips, seeing that you put my words aside? And I want to implore you today. I want to call upon you today. The word of the Lord says, repent from your sinful ways. Sir, you, you are in that relationship that's not glorifying God. I speak to you today. The Lord extends a warm invitation to you. The, the Lord extends a, a way of healing and restoration to you. The Lord calls you for he knows that the wages of sin is death. He wants to save you. He wants to get you ready. People seek excuses to continue living sinful lives, saying his grace is enough. Let me tell you, we've got a responsibility, and I know this is a hard word, but this is the truth of the Word of God. You know what's the wonderful thing? We can repent. This is what the Holy Spirit is for. For the Holy Spirit changes your heart. The Holy Spirit gives you a new heart. Now I don't want to do the sinful things anymore. Now I don't want to. I don't even have to fight it because my heart has been changed. I've become a new creature, a new creation filled with the power of God. And now I can live victoriously and the enemy has no hold on me. Theologians dissect the Bible, trying to convince themselves that baptism, well, that is optional. And then they only, not even talk about the true baptism. And the Holy Spirit, no, no, that was only for the first church. Speaking in tongues, prophesying, all the gifts, no, no, it's not for today. People of God, I want to ask you today, this word, Pastor John says it so often, this is the word of God. He says, I believe it, and that settles it. This word of God says, you need to repent. You need to get baptized, and you will receive the Holy Spirit. How can you live without the Holy Spirit? No, no, we need more of the Spirit. We need more of Him. And if His Word tells me this is what you need to do, then I want to fall on my knees and I want to run to Him and say, my Lord, my God, I want to do all you are telling me to do. I want more of you. I want more of you. I want you to fill me to capacity. I want you to fill me with your Spirit that I will be a mighty man of God in these last days, doing what you've purposed me to do. I don't want to find excuses not to do it and why it is not applicable to me. Therefore, it's important you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You will be ready when the bridegroom returns. Now, traditionally, back to the 
to the Galilean wedding, traditionally, it would take one year to prepare for the wedding. This is what the whole village would, would know. And in this year, the groom will, will build an extension to his father's house. He will buy some furniture, preparing everything for his bride so that she would be happy when she moves in there. But you know what? When the preparations was done, he would go to his father and say, Father, the house is prepared. It is ready. The wedding can proceed. Do you know what? That only the father would decide when the wedding will take place. And every night, they will all go to sleep until one night, more or less after a year, in the middle of the night, the father will wake up and he will go to the son and he will wake him up and he will say, son, it is time. Go and get your bride. Wow. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that? In my spirit eyes, I see Jesus in heaven waiting for the word of his father saying, son, it's time to go and get your bride. Wow. I'm so excited. Can you, can you imagine how excited he must be to come and fetch you? Can you, can you just under, try to understand this? And if we try to get to, to lay hold of this, don't you think that we should do all that we can to be ready to be an acceptable bride for him, to be pure, to be dressed with pure clothes in righteousness, pure white in righteousness, ready to receive him, to be joyful, to be happy, to be singing, to be ready. And then this groom will wake, he will, he will get up and he will take the shofar and he will blow the shofar with a loud noise. And when the noise goes out, the whole village will wake up and they will immediately know this is the start of the wedding. And the whole village will, will then get up and, and the bride, she will get up with her bridesmaids and they will prepare to meet because the groom is on his way to fetch his bride. You know what? That Jesus also told the parable of the five wise and the five unwise virgins. Some will be ready, some will not be ready. People of God, I know this is a hard word. You know what? You know, I lose sleep some nights because I'm thinking of people who think they are ready to meet with God and you might, may not be ready. I ask you today, get before God. Say, God, will you cleanse me with the fire of your spirit? God, will you help me that I will be ready to receive you? What a joyful location. How wonderful will it be? when you can jump up, when you hear the noise of the shofar and you know, I am ready to receive my groom. Just imagine in heaven how excited Jesus must be. And I ask you today, are you excited? Are you getting ready? Wow, it's something to look forward to. And like Pastor John now, now prayed and said, we all believe that we are truly living in the last of the last days. We know that the last great harvest must come in. We know that God has prepared 
prepared his church for a time like this. I ask you, man and woman of God, are you ready? Are you ready to be part of this? Are you ready to be a mighty warrior of God? Are you ready to be clothed with his spirit? For this is what the, the, the day of Pentecost is all about. When we celebrate the outpouring of his spirit, just imagine this. He says, when you receive the spirit, you will receive power. Don't feel despondent today. Don't let the enemy tell you you can't get out of this nonsense. No, no. When you receive the Holy Spirit, you receive power. Ephesians 1 verse 13 and 14 says, You were stamped with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. And the Spirit is the guarantee of our full inheritance power to be his witnesses. In that same chapter, it carries on to talk about the power that is now living inside of us. He says, he prays that our spiritual eyes would be opened, that we would grasp the limitless, unsurpassing power living in us, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, higher than any name or authority, any power that can ever be. So, child of God, I want to encourage you today. This is the year of the Holy Spirit. Won't you open your heart? Won't you welcome Him? Won't you run after Him? Whatever the Bible tells you to do, wouldn't you run after that? While people grapple about the theologians, etc., etc., just do what the Bible says. For the Holy Spirit is the presence of God within us. He's the connection with the heavenly realm. How can you live without it? Paul goes so far. In 1 Corinthians 2, he says the unspiritual person cannot perceive the things of the Spirit. He cannot understand it. So we need the Spirit. We are called to host His presence in a measure that will glorify Him and inspire people. People of God, we owe God the demonstration of healings, of miracles. Fire is meant to, send, to set something alight. I ask you today, are you on fire? Are you zealous for Him? Paul writes in Romans 12, he says, be zealous for God, aglow with the Spirit, burning with the fire of God. I ask you today, while you prepare yourself for Jesus who is coming back, are you excited? Are you filled with His Spirit? Do you ask more and more of His Spirit? The last few weeks I've been praying so much over and over and over, Lord, will you give me more of your Spirit? Will you give me more of your spirit? Lord, I want more of your spirit. I want more of your anointing. Just yesterday, I preached here, I, I prayed here in the little chapel. I spent time there with, with the Lord, and the Lord so clearly dropped it in my spirit, and he said, stop asking for more of the spirit. Start asking that I will give you the capacity to host more of my spirit. People of God, won't you ask the Lord, Lord, will you speak the flames of fire, the flames of your voice into my heart? Won't you burn me out? Won't you burn out iniquities out of my heart? Won't you put in me a new heart? Would you imprint the teachings of your word, of your will into my heart, into my spirit being, that I would be a new creature altogether, that I will start living in the power 
the Spirit. Lord, that wherever I go, I will host the presence of God. Wherever I walk, I will host the glory of God. Wherever I go, I will change lives. Whenever I speak, my words will bring hope and restoration. Wherever I touch, people will get healed and restored. We read in the Bible, it says that when Jesus walked down the street, the people were, were running ahead and they, they watched him and they tried to determine the route that he would take and they would run ahead with their sickly on their mats and put them down so that when he passes, maybe they can just touch his garment and they would be healed. I ask you today, when we are filled with the Spirit, do you know that you can walk through a muddy road. You can walk through a road of depression. You can walk through a road, on a road with hopelessness. But when people touch you, that road will be changed to a road of gold. You will bring life and hope and restoration, healing, because that's the power of the Spirit. People of God, COVID, what is that? He didn't catch God by surprise. No, no, we believe the end times are playing out. We need to be ready. This is a time to be ready. This is a time to stop being busy with your own nonsense. This is a time to say, Lord, I thank you that I'm still alive. It means you've got a purpose for my life. It means that I can still repent of any sinful thing that I harbor in my life. And Lord, I want to get rid of it right now. I turn around from it and I put it aside and I clothe myself with your glory. Lord, if I need to be baptized, I will be baptized. Lord, and your word promises that I will receive the Holy Spirit. For Lord, I will be a part of the ingathering of the last harvest on this earth. I will walk and I will bring the word of God. I will be full of your power. Isaiah 60 verse 1 says, Arise from spiritual depression to a new life. Shine. Be radiant with the glory and the brilliance of the Lord, for your light has come. And the glory and the brilliance of the Lord has risen upon you. I want to speak that over you, people of God. Arise, arise today. Arise from your depression. Shine, for your light has come. The glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Won't you welcome the Holy Spirit into your heart? Won't you ask the Lord to prepare you for next week when we celebrate Pentecost, that you will be ready to receive more and more and more of Him, living victoriously in His name. Amen, amen. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your faithfulness. Lord, we thank you for the truth of your word. Lord, we thank you that you prepared our hearts for this word. Would you speak into our hearts and bring a new life into our hearts? Lord, and we thank you for each and every person listening to this sermon today that you will just lay hold of their hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Now I just want to bless you with a blessing out of numbers. It says the Lord bless you 
and keep you, to protect you, to sustain you, to guard you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you with favor and be gracious to you, surrounding you with loving kindness. The Lord lift up his countenance, his face upon you with divine approval and give you peace, a tranquil heart and life. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.